telling you something's wrong with my eyes. Andrew was outside playing football with the neighborhood kids and he came running in the house crying hysterically. What's wrong? I said, he said, mom, mom, I was outside and Noah, he went to throw the pass and I went out to catch it and then everything got dark and I didn't see the electrical box and I flipped over it. Over the past year, he had been complaining of headaches and problems with his eyes and things that weren't rectified, rectified by his eyeglass prescriptions. So I decided to get him into the pediatrician first thing on Monday morning. She said, this sounds a lot like migraines. And I said, no, you know, I know a lot of people with migraines and he doesn't seem to ever talk about the light sensitivity and doesn't get the nausea. So she orders an MRI. Well, fast forward, it's Tuesday night and I'm sitting at home. It's March Madness. I'm in basketball, so my world right now is crazy. I've got to get to the Big Ten Network in Chicago. So I'm sitting there in my room studying all these teams and all of a sudden I heard this voice and it was really deep. It said, write this down. And then I began to write with a fever and a muse and a passion I had never experienced before. Out of me in about 40 minutes came this entire story about this woman who was hanging out with these two knuckleheaded friends, one named Worry, one named Doubt. And as long as she was hanging out with those two friends, her whole world fell apart. So one day she passed out and when she woke back up, there was this new friend named Faith. And when she started hanging out with Faith, her entire life improved. I ran into the living room. I said, Andrew, you've got to listen to this. And I read him the poem. He said, Mom, this is a great inspiration. You should make it into your next book. And indeed I did, spoiler alert. But there were some things that I had to learn first. You see, my life had been built on passion and I learned that passion alone wasn't enough. Because on Wednesday morning, it was time to take Andrew in for that MRI. Two hours after that MRI, I ended up getting a phone call, come in, and the doctor stared at me and with tears in her eyes and she said, Andrew has a very large brain tumor. He's in an emergency situation. We'll have to get it out immediately. Flagrant foul. The next thing I knew, I was standing in front of some neurosurgeon who was telling me there's a good chance that your son may die. But we're going to do everything we can to save his life. And even if we save his life, there's a good chance that he'll be blind. But we're going to do everything we can to protect his sight huge, flagrant, foul. I have no idea how I'm supposed to deal with this, not on my own, but now I have to go and I've got to explain it to my 12-year-old biscuit-loving son. And suddenly as I'm driving furiously down the highway, not knowing what to do, the tagline to that poem popped up, stop hanging out with worry and doubt and make faith your new best friend. And right then I knew that I was given a vision miraculously placed inside of me to know how to lead my son to the next step. When he came home from school, I said, Andrew, you remember the story I wrote last night? He said, yeah, mom, the one about faith. Did you call the publisher? I said, not yet. You see, that story is not meant for everyone else yet. That's a book for you and me right now. It's you and me that have to stop hanging out with worry and doubt and make faith our new best friend. Mm. Powerful, powerful. Uh, it goes on that Andrew has his operation he gets, the tumor is removed. Uh, he's in eighth grade. That year, they find a special school for the blind, as mom finds in Florida. He goes, he actually becomes the valedictorian of his eighth grade class shortly after having the tumor removed from his head. He's now in college at Florida State University and uh, having the struggles that any freshman would have, but he is alive and well, and his deep passion is to work with those who have disabilities. What a great story and what a great inspiration. Amen? And I think that that's what God has for us uh, in different ways, certainly, than that, but that God...
desires to speak into our spirit and drop something in our heart that can just take us that next step. We've already read um, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, uh, the scripture that says, These are the words of the Holy One, the true one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Look, I have set before you an open door. Everyone say open door. Which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power and yet have kept my word and have not denied my name. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about um, all things new about open doors that as we close this year, 2018, for some of us, 2018 has been a really amazing year. It's been up and to the right for others. Uh, it hasn't been that. For some of us, it's been a struggle. But we close out this year knowing this in our heart that the new year, there's nothing magical that will come in a couple of days at midnight. However, there is this invitation to an open door. Each year comes to us as an open door from God. It is an open door for opportunities that only God knows at this time. And that's where I want to start with all of us today. I, a couple of days ago, we were with Sean and Kathleen and Charles and Jill, and Sean posed this great question. He said, what are you guys hoping for and dreaming for in 2019? And I think that's a good question for all of us to spend some time around. We had a great conversation around uh, that, that subject matter. And it's beautiful to be with people that have this heart to walk through the open doors and a desire to see God's kingdom increase. But how about you? What are you hoping for and dreaming for as you are uh, led into these opportunities of an open door? When it comes to 2019, when it comes to a new year in your life, what kind of open doors are you looking forward to? What kind of hopes do you have dreams? Are your dreams big enough for 2019? Have you limited yourself somehow? Have you shut down some things? And that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about uh, a portion of scripture that I'm only going to kind of touch on it. But um, one of the things when Sean asked that question uh, yesterday and, and later that night, it just it brought me to a scripture that literally most years, and this was really a scripture that was key uh, when we started the church, was the book of Nehemiah. And I, I spent some time around the book of Nehemiah, and Nehemiah, I think, is such a great picture of a person that just steps through open doors. To give you a little bit of backdrop of uh, backstory in Nehemiah, Nehemiah uh, Nehemiah takes place, it, it, he kind of enters the scene on the tail end of some not good things happening for the Jews. The Jews were at a time in their history when God was trying to speak to them and get them to move in certain directions, and quite frankly, in a nutshell, they were ignoring God. And because of the ignoring of God, the Babylonians had taken control of different parts of, of their territory, and one of the main pieces, the main piece that the Babylonians had taken control of was Jerusalem itself. There was a takeover. It was for 140 years the Jews were under the oppression of the Babylonians, 
And then at that point, there was a remnant of Jews that were sent back kind of to take control of Jerusalem again. But needless to say, nevertheless, they went back and it really kind of went nowhere. They just kind of stayed there in captivity. It was just a new place that was broken down and run down. And it was, it's into that part of history that Nehemiah shows up. Nehemiah is living over 800 miles away, which is a huge amount of territory at that time in history. He is cupbearer to a king, and it is in that that Nehemiah begins to have a burden for his people and a burden for the broken down condition of Jerusalem. Nehemiah just basically says he sees kind of an open door before him that really does not look good and does not look hopeful, but he simply says in his heart, he has a burden, and he just says, this is not okay with me. This thing that I know about, even though it's more than 800 miles away, even though I don't even know what I can do about it, this is not okay with me. And he sees this as an open door. He is one of the least likely people that there could be to be a person that would restore the wall of Jerusalem. But it's into that that he senses this open door of going to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, to restore it to its grandeur. See, Nehemiah is a cupbearer to the king. A cupbearer is the person that before the king would drink, say, their wine, um, he would drink the wine to make sure it wasn't poison. That was his job. So if Nehemiah died, then the king knew he couldn't drink it. That was his job. It wasn't really glamorous. He was tight with the king, obviously, but he could die any day. But he wasn't a carpenter. He was not a bricklayer. He was not in construction, but that was the open door. It didn't even seem like it made sense. And Nehemiah, in chapter 1 of Nehemiah, verse 5, does one of the most powerful prayers in all of Scripture and just ask God to have mercy on him. He repents. It's one of the few times in all of Scripture that someone repents on behalf of a whole people group. Nehemiah repents not only for his own sin, but for the sin of the people, the Jewish people. And then he asks boldly that God would give success to him and grant him mercy in the sight of the king and in the thing that he was feeling invited to. The king remarkably tells him yes. He partners with him and tells him, I'll even help you with supplies. I'll give you protection as you travel back. And fast forward after he gets involved in this, in one of the most remarkable moments of construction in history, some historians say in 52 days after the project starts, the wall is rebuilt. But there's observations that I have about, around this scripture that I think can lead us into this whole issue of walking into open doors and what do they represent in our lives moving into 2019. The first observation I have is that open doors represent new beginnings. 2019 obviously represents a new beginning for all of us. It is a moment for you and I to step into that new dream, that hope that we have. Even now, some of you might even be saying, gosh, I don't even know if I have a dream or a, I have a thought of, uh, of what I want to do in 2019. I've been so caught up in worry and anxiety. And the invitation here is just to say, first of all, 
What, what, what would you hope would happen? Maybe it's with your finances. Maybe it's with your faith walk. Maybe you have a, a hope around your relational world. The first place uh, when, when it comes to new beginnings is in order to step into a new destiny, a new dream, many times we have to step away from those things that are our old securities. In order for us to dream big, and dream big is important, Nehemiah shows us that in order for us to do something big, we start small. Maybe for you, you're feeling invited to school, a, different, a new educational opportunity. Maybe you've been struggling with some substances and you're feeling like, I want to go, maybe it's time for me to go to rehab. Maybe your finances, you want to get in order. You'd love to have an emergency fund. In order for you to step into your destiny, you need to step away from your old security. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's your serving. Maybe it's your leadership. Maybe you might want to lead a life group this year. Maybe you're thinking of a business startup. Maybe you'd love for your student loans to be paid off. I would tell you this. That, that open doors represent new beginnings. And the start is the thing that many times stops us. See, you and I can never finish anything that we do not start. Nehemiah represents this profound picture of just starting. He just starts. He doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know what he's going to be doing. He just starts. The first thing he does is he prays. And then once he gets permission, he starts to take the next step. Big things happen by multiplied small steps over. In Nehemiah 2, 17 and 18, the scripture says this. It says, and then I said to them, meaning the Jews, you see the trouble that we're in. How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we may longer su- no longer suffer disgrace. And I told them the hand of my God had been gracious upon me and also the words that the king had spoken to me. And then they said, let us start. Everyone say start. Let us start building. So they committed themselves to a common good You and I, again, will never finish anything that we do not start. They would have never built the wall. They would have never done this phenomenal work if they wouldn't have simply started. It took a small start, a step. You remember, you remember maybe uh, you've been maybe your own kids or you've been around little children before. There's that moment where a kid begins to walk. I mean, and it's like such a big deal, isn't it? It's like they get up and they look like they're really inebriated and they're like, you know, trying to use their arms. You're like, you know, hiding your eyes at a certain point when they get too close to things. You're like moving things back and bam, they go down. No parent says, oh, you fool. Why did you fall down? You celebrate it. You're giving high fives. I mean, it really is kind of ridiculous when you think about it, right? That this wobbling, off-balance little child, and we just, it doesn't matter how, like, refined you are. 
You're like, yes, my child can actually start to walk. And then they keep it up. And, you know, maybe they're in their 30s now and they've done a lot of steps. But you never discourage that wobbling because you knew that that wobbling step was going to get them to where ultimately they were going to go. And in the same way, God sees that at the uh, opportunities and open doors, they represent new beginnings and those God would never be discouraging to you when you just take a step. Nehemiah starts to take steps and he's inviting us to take steps. See, we don't need, what happens to us, I think, is like with Nehemiah, he could have thought, man, just rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem, that's just too big. And what happens, see, we should dream big. Your dreams should be like off the chain. Like, wow, that's too big. I mean, whatever it is, it's like that's bigger than I can maybe even see ever accomplishing. Or that would take a lot. But what happens to us is we can get discouraged because we think in order to move toward our dreams that we have to have the faith to finish. And what Nehemiah teaches us is you simply need the faith to start. You need the faith for the next step you take. I remember when Crossroads started, uh, you know, Charles and Jill, Sean and Kathleen, a couple of other people, they said, you know, we're going to have this Bible study. Can you just come and help? We didn't have the faith for what's going on here. None of us did. None of us had the faith for this. We had the faith to come and be a part of a Bible study. Remember when the food pantry started, there, it, was, it was a couple in the church, early on in the church, they were running a food pantry out of, food pantry out of their, a closet in their, in their house. And they said, there's too many people that need help, which wasn't a lot of people, but for somebody running a food pantry out of their house closet, it was too much. We didn't have faith for what we see now. We had faith for taking it. We said, sure, the church will take over that ministry. We'll, we'll help provide the space for that and have the people serve for that. We didn't have the faith then for what we see now. We had a faith to take over a closet full of food and make sure it was provided for the people that were getting help. That's how our lives are. That's the invitation into 2019. What's the step? See, it's interesting because we, we, if we just paid attention, we would know this reality. Do you know that three out, this isn't going to surprise any of us, three out of four college graduates do not do work in their field of major. Three out of four college graduates. So it's like, it's 27% actually are actually in the field of their major study. But see, when they went off to college, as much as they went into that major and made such a big deal about the major, and there's nothing wrong with making a big deal about the major, it's important in a lot of ways, but none of them were thinking, gosh, when I graduate from college, I'm going to work in something totally different. But what happens is we dream big and we step. We dream big and we take the next step. And before we know it, we're graduating from something, and then we're invited to take a step into something that we didn't even see was coming. And we didn't even know how it was going to happen. This is how our life is. We're called and invited to think big and dream big, but to start small. 
Don't be afraid of starting small. Do not let the start stop you. I love what St. Francis says. He says, start doing what is necessary. Then do what is possible. Then suddenly you will be doing the impossible. Start doing what is necessary, then do what is possible, and suddenly you will be doing the impossible. 2019 will bring some impossible accomplishments into our lives that we can't even imagine in this moment, but we need to start. You take a step. You take a step to eliminating that debt. You take a step toward restoring your relational world. You just take a step toward the dream and the, the, the big thinking that you have. The second observation that comes out of Nehemiah for me when it comes to open doors is that open doors come with certainty and uncertainty. At one point, they're building the wall, and in one hand, they've got a tool or a trowel to build with, and in the other hand, they have a sword, because there's going to be warfare. There's certainty, and there's uncertainty. There's things that you can definitely count on. Not all of them are even good, but you can count on them. And then there's those things that you're just uncertain about. All of us are, as we take one step after another. In 1 Corinthians uh, 16.9, Paul puts it this way. He says... A wide open door of effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Nehemiah says this, Samballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official and Geshem the Arab heard of it and mocked and ridiculed us saying, what is this that you are doing? You're rebelling against the king. Then I replied to them, the God of heaven is the one who will give us success. We're his servants, and we're going to start building. But you have no share or claim in, or historic right in Jerusalem. What is certain, first of all, is God's presence. Nehemiah talks about it here. God's endorsement is on this work. As we're beginning to work, we're going to start building, and God is with us, and God will make sure we have success. Certainty, one of the certainties with open doors is always God's presence. God is with you. He will always be with you in your steps of faith and your moving forward, your your step of faith to, to start, not to finish, remember. That comes with a certainty. But also, there's other certainties. One of the certainties spoken about by Paul here and shown by Nehemiah is the certainty of you can expect spiritual opposition. Resistance is coming. Warfare will happen. I think about crossroads. Over the years, we've been called a cult. We've been called heretics. We're legalistic, but then we're compromisers. We're snake handlers, hippie Catholic church people. We're new age, bizarre, and we only have a food pantry so our members can eat. That's, I've heard it. I've heard so much more. You can expect opposition to your stepping out in faith toward your dream. You can expect resistance. You can expect spiritual warfare. You can expect your name at times to be falsely represented. The enemy doesn't want you to live into the dream of God for your life or for your family. I spoke uh, last week with Pastor Carlo. He's heading down in Haiti. He had sent me an email. Uh, This January, the first couple weeks of January, represents 33 years 
that New World Mission has been around, that it started 33 years ago, and they, every year they have a big anniversary celebration. And he sent me an email before I called him, and it just his email, after he had gone through what was going to happen in the celebration, there were going to be pastors coming from all over the country. They were really getting excited about it. They couldn't wait for it to happen. So there were congratulations that were, be sent, were being sent back to him and cheering him on and everybody saying yes and amen. Of course, we've been collecting money that would uh, somehow support that with all the Christmas stuff that's going on. And then he sent me about, it, it's, it was the 17th actually, he sent me this email that said, Pastor Scott, I am so broken. I need to talk to you about the anniversary so I called and we talked and we began to just share and he talked about, you know, there's street gangs that are roaming around. It's a very violent moment in Haiti right now. And, and uh, the government has people that uh, even uh, sent out into the community. It's unsafe. It's chaotic in Haiti right now. But this is the first time because there are many adversaries against the vision of God for your life, mine, Pastor Carlos, and anywhere the working kingdom of God is advancing. We began to pray and do warfare and intercede. And I could feel, even in the conversation, even though it was just a phone call, I could feel the oppression lifting. And I said, Carlo, you were made for this 33 years ago. God invited you to this. Of course there's warfare around this. People are being set free. Captives are being released. Young children are being taught things that they would never hear if you weren't proclaiming the gospel. Of course, there's an enemy of resistance against that. And Carlo felt just a sense of goodness. And he was ready to go. I could tell when we got off the phone. He's like, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm excited about being a part of what's going to be going on in this 30. There's so much to celebrate. But there is a certainty of spiritual opposition See, we live in a time where we seem to be just too refined, but you have an enemy who hates you. There's also a certainty of rejection and failure. Remember when we first started the church, we were probably about, I don't know, 18 months in. We, we were at that point, maybe we were at Gordon's school on Sunday mornings. I'm not really sure, but one of the guys in the church had a, knew a guy here in town that owns a lot of property all over the place. And he said, what do you think if I set up a meeting where you meet with this guy and we just ask him, you just ask him for the property. And it was, a, it was the property on the southeast corner of uh, where 69 and 94 meet. It was, I think it's a few hundred acres. And I say, hey, I'm game for that. Let's go, you know. So I go into breakfast for this breakfast meeting. This guy, this elderly guy's there. And kind of one of the, you know, those powerful people in the area. And I just like, right away, I'm just like, hey, he's, I, no sense in... No sense in not cutting to the quick. What do you think? Our church is really starting to grow and take off. There's exciting things going on. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be a part of that by donating some property to us? And he looked at me right away and just shut me down. No, I don't think that'd be exciting. As a matter of fact, I, don't, I, would, ne I would never do that. That felt good. Anyway... <laughs> Finished our breakfast. I mean, it was a little more to it than that. But you can certainly know that rejection and failure comes as you walk through open doors, but don't you let it discourage you. The land that this property is on, it wasn't given to us, 
but it may as well have been given to us. It was sold to us by somebody who was connected to somebody that was in the church. It was a mom, and she just said, I could think of no better honorable thing than to give Crossroads Church the opportunity to buy this land. And she sold it to us for what she and her husband had purchased it for decades earlier. She said, I just want that money back. And, and it was a miracle. Don't let failure stop you because there's open doors of opportunity and there are certainties and uncertainties. I love Jack Ma. I've got this video as he talks about failure. Jack Ma is kind of the uh, Chinese version of um, Amazon. He started it. It's called Alibaba. If you're not familiar with who Jack Ma is, this guy is awesome. I just love listening to his stuff. But anyway, do we have that clip? A lot of fail. I fail for funny things that I failed a key primary school test for two times. And I failed uh, three times for the middle school, middle schools. You know, for three years I tried to fail in the universities. So I applied jobs for 30 times, got rejected. I went for a police, they said, no, you're not good. I went to even the uh, KFC. When KFC came to China, come to my city, you 20, 24 people went for the job. 23 people accepted. I was the only one guy. <laughs> and we went for police. Five people, four of them accepted. I was the only guy that I rece- received it. So for me, being turned down, rejected. Oh, by the way, I told you that I, would, I applied for Harvard for 10 times rejected. <laughs> I know if you reject, yeah, I just don't now. want to say that. <laughs> yeah, sorry now. <laughs> I think we have to get used to it. We're not that good. Even today, we still have a lot of people reject us. I, I don't think in this world there are a lot of people be rejected more than 30 times. If we, you know, the only thing we never give up, the only thing like we're like a forest gun, we keep on fight, we keep on change ourselves. We don't complain. Whether you were successful or not successful, I find that one per people, when they finish the job, if they make the mistake, if they fail, if they always complain to others, this guy will never come back. If the guy only check himself, yeah, something wrong with me here, something wrong with me there, this guy has a hope. Don't let rejection or failure stop you. You can count on failing. You can count on spiritual opposition. And you can also count on and expect uncertainty. And what is uncertain as you walk through doors and I walk through doors is all of the details. Have the faith for the next step. I remember it was about 1998, 1999. I was standing upstairs in the corner of that hallway. Sean and Charles were with me. There was something horrific that Claire and I had just found out about one of our kids that had happened to them as they were growing up in the Detroit area that we were unaware of till we moved here. And I remember standing there weeping and saying, if I would have known that this was going to happen, I would have never done this. And they just loved on me and encouraged me. And I remember like I, it was like a switch went off and I realized, that's right. 
None of this would have happened if I would have known all these details, but that's why we don't know all these details. You take a step at a time, and there is warfare, and there is failure, and there is task, and there is a toll that happens, but God keeps us and protects us from all of those details. See, we need the faith to start, not the faith for the finish, because you and I fortunately don't know all the details. There has been a lot of life lived around here, and fortunately, we didn't know some of those things until they happened, and we had already been standing in a place of seeing God's hands so many times in our lives. How could we deny that God is continuously inviting us forward, which leads to the last thing. Open doors represent bigger opportunities than we realize. See, the wall was built in 52 days. In a way, it was a miraculous uh, project that happened. As I said earlier, a lot of historians say it's one of the greatest building achievements in history. But what gets missed is when you read the book of Nehemiah, the wall gets rebuilt. It's almost in the middle of the book, and you can easily forget the rest of the story. See, they were invited, Nehemiah was invited, and the people were invited to take a step of faith for that next step, have faith for that, and suddenly, after 52 days, there is a wall that is rebuilt. But now there's other things. It's really just a beginning. We see in part. We do not see, as big as you dream, you do not see the fullness of the unimaginable dream God has for your life. We dream for what we can see and hope for, but God has more than that for you. Once you get to those places, see, Nehemiah, once the wall was built, the people had to build homes. The people had to restore a temple. They restored an economy. They had to restore a community and culture of faith. They had to restore a security system in a community that was full of years and decades, over 140 years of abuse. Who knows what you're really being invited to? One person put it this way. They said, we tend to overestimate what God will do in us and through us in the short or near term. We tend to overestimate that, and we tend to vastly underestimate what God will do in us and through us in a lifetime of faithfulness. We overestimate what God will do in us and through us in a short or near term, and we tend to vastly underestimate what God will do in us and through us in a lifetime of faithfulness. So what is your next step? What is that thing you're dreaming about or hoping for in 2019? What do you need to have faith for on this day? If it's, if it's to establish an emergency fund financially, maybe it's a simple, maybe you need to just have the faith to take a simple step of putting something up for sale on eBay or taking those three bags of pop cans that are sitting in your garage back to Meyer, and then put that in the bank and try to get to this place where you can set aside some money. For you, maybe it's your next step in your dream. You have a dream of not just kind of casually being around God and having a relationship that's casual or no relationship at all. You just, you just are wondering about God. Maybe for you, it's finally the time to take the step to pursue Christ. 
for you to have enough faith to tomorrow morning, for instance, to get up in the morning and simply pray. Just take a couple of minutes and just pray. That's a step. Have faith for that step. And then once that step happens, have faith for maybe the next thing where you would be invited into something else. Maybe it would be consistently showing up on a Sunday morning and worshiping. Maybe you're being invited to simply have the faith to raise your hands. You've wanted to do it before, but you haven't, when, when, when worship songs are being sung and you've looked around and you've thought, I wonder how freeing that might feel when I watch other people do certain things. Maybe that's the step that you need to have faith for. Maybe it's the faith for going to a life group and being a part of it or leading a life group or serving or going back to school, being a better spouse or parent or grandparent. We all have dreams and hopes. And God, as we move into 2019, is simply asking us to take a step and have a faith for this next step and not so much the finish. The finish is coming, but it comes step at a time. Let's stand. So we're just going to bless you guys. Go out, taking one step at a time, and let God's grace chase you all week long. God bless you and keep you, and pray that prayer of Jabez as you're walking through your open doors.